You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to get there eventually this morning. Grab your sermon notes. Today, we are concluding the Choose Your Attitude, Choose Your Life series. Um, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the power of choice, the power of choosing. Because this is the reality. The choices we make shapes the life we live. Now, sometimes we don't like to hear that because we don't like the life we're living. And we have then own responsibility. Of what? We've been making some poor choices along the way. It's got us to where we're at. But it is true. Choices we make shapes the life we experience. That's why the series for me has been so significant to help you think about some critical areas of choosing in your life. And so today we want to talk about choosing to be an encourager. Choosing to be an encourager. Because here's the reality. In life you can choose to lift others or you can limit others. In life you can, you can add value to others or you can drain others. You can help others like live out their potential or you can be the individual who actually limits the potential in their lives. It all depends on whether we choose to be an encourager or a discourager of others. And this is what I know today. Through our words and our actions, we can give life, help, and hope to others. We can make a positive difference in the lives of others. But again, it requires our choosing. It's like this morning when you got out of bed, you had a choice to make. Before you got to the coffee pot, you had a choice to make. How am I going to respond to my mate if you're married? Before the coffee. Positive or negative? Are you going to give life or are you going to give death? Are you going to say something you're going to regret for the rest of the week? Or are you going to build value into your mate? If you have children after the coffee, hopefully you got coffee before the kids got up. You got a choice to make. Are you going to lift your children or are you going to limit your children? Are you going to add value to their life or are you going to drain their lives? And that's the power that each of us have. It's the power to bring life for others through encouragement, through the words we speak, through our actions. We, we see this illustrated, true story. You could check it out online. That's where I found it. Actually, someone sent it to me. But online, there's this amazing story of encouragement that happened, uh, kind of crazy, but it happened on a Friday night through a football game. So Grapevine, Texas, there was this high school football game that was going to be played. And, and the game was between Grapevine Faith Academy and Gainesville State School. So Gainesville State School was a, a school that was happening in a correctional facility. So all of the young boys that were in the school were there because they broke the law. Maybe it was drugs, maybe it was theft, could have been any different reason, but they're all incarcerated, yet they're a part of a traveling football team. They never played games at home because they didn't have a home field. So all of their games were away games. Um, they didn't have much funding, so all their equipment was like hand-me-down, like used helmets, used shoulder pads, uh, and they would go on the road to play these games. And they were actually so poor that they were, at this point in the season, they were, they were 0-8. They had not won a game. Actually, they had not scored a touchdown in the whole season. And they're coming into Faith Academy um, that was a school that was well-positioned, um, they were 7-2. Their record was 7-2. They had 70 players, 11 coaches, and the latest and best equipment. And so the coach, Chris Hogan, who was the head coach for Faith Academy, uh, knew that this, this team coming in would have no fans 
Because again, they're incarcerated. These are boys who are incarcerated. They would have no fans. Nobody's traveling with them to cheer them on. And he knew that they would probably be no contest because they were like 0-8, hadn't scored a touchdown. So he had this like crazy idea. He, he began to think, what if, what if we chose to encourage these boys? What if we filled the visitor stands with people who was actually cheering for them? What if we had cheerleaders who were on their sideline cheering for them? Sounds pretty radical. But he said, what, what might happen on this Friday night in Grapevine, Texas? And so he sent uh, an email out to the fan base, kind of tossing out this idea, kind of this grassroots method. Like, yeah, you know, here's what I'd like to do. I would like uh, for some of you to sit on the visitor side, and I would like for you to cheer for the opposing team. Not your sons, but these other boys. Some of the cheerleaders, I want you. And, and, and some of the folks are like, man, he's crazy. I mean, matter of, one of the players on the team said, Coach, why aren't we doing this? Why would we cheer for the opposing team? And, and Coach Ogan said, have you ever thought about what it would be like to have no one cheering for you? Have, have you ever thought about what it would be like to be out on the field and have no one in the stands? Have you ever thought of what it, what it might be like to have no one who believes in you anymore? And then you come to a game and then you would have all these folks cheering for you. Don't you think that would be pretty amazing? And so this, this idea actually took root. And on the night of the game, imagine the surprise of those 14 players when they took the field and there was a banner that the cheerleaders had made for them to crush. No one had ever done that before them before. It kind of caught them off guard. You know what I'm talking about, right? The cheerleaders build this big banner and then the players come running through it. These 14 boys from this correctional institute didn't even know how to respond to this. Like someone's made a banner for us to run through. And then they, they began the game and here's people in their stands cheering for them. There's cheerleaders doing cheers for them. And, and the people who had done their homework, they actually knew some of the names of, of these players from this correctional facility. And so they're in the stands cheering for them, actually calling out their names. And one of the, one of the young boys who was the quarterback on offense, the, the middle linebacker on defense, his name was Isaiah, he, he, said, it was, he said, we didn't know what to do. I said, it, was, it seemed so odd that parents were yelling for us to tackle their own children. Like, we didn't know how, how to respond to that. He went on to say, most of the time when we come out, people are afraid of us. You can see it in their eyes. But these people were yelling for us. That they knew our names. Well, long story short, Faith won the game. And after the, the game was over, the teams gathered at the 50-yard line. They knelt to, to have their time of prayer. And that's when Isaiah, this this quarterback middle linebacker convict said he wanted to pray and it kind of caught everyone off guard that this kid would want to pray and I want to read you his prayer says Lord I I don't know what just happened tonight so I don't know I don't know how or who to say thank you to but I never knew there were so many people in the world who cared about us and folks that is the power of encouragement. That's the power of what can happen when we choose to encourage others. As, the, as these 14 boys were on their way back to the bus, under guard, because again, they're, they're in prison. They're incarcerated. Under guard, they're on their way back to the bus. Each player received a hamburger, french fries, a Coke, a candy bar, and 
a letter, a handwritten letter from the, the teammates that, that they had just played against. Each player from Faith Academy had written a, a letter of encouragement to these young men who were incarcerated. Talking about a life-transforming event. And it happened through encouragement. It happened by one coach, Chris Hogan, who had this kind of radical, crazy idea to say, what if, what if we would choose to encourage our opponent, encourage these boys that we're playing against? Again, a life-changing, transforming event. And that's the power of encouragement. I mean, think with me for a moment. Think with me about the two or three people that you would say have had the greatest influence in your life. You thinking about them? That man, that woman, that individual. You have their pictures in your mind. So now for those individuals who were the greatest influencers in your life, I don't even know who they are, but this is something I can tell you about what they did. They encouraged you. That's how they influenced your life. They were not critical of you. They were not tearing you down. They were always building you up. And because they were building you up, what? They today would be one of the greatest influencers in your life. It happened through what? It happened through encouragement. Through someone either speaking or acting in such a way that it lifted you, that it influenced you, that that, that it shaped your life. Again, that is the power of encouragement. See, each of us have the power to do that every day for everyone we come into contact with, but it, it requires of us to choose. So I have to make a choice. I have to choose that I'm going to be an encourager for others. And the results of our encounters are, are rarely negative. Uh, excuse me, they're rarely neutral. They're either negative or positive. Every time you come into contact with someone, and you're having interaction with them, you're engaging in a, relation, uh, a, a relational conversation with them, it's rarely neutral. It's almost always either positive or negative. And here's the deal. You get to choose. In other words, folks, you're driving the bus, right? You're in control. You get to choose. Am I going to build or am I going to tear down? Am I going to lift someone or, or am I going to limit someone? And we get to make that choice. I have this statement there in your notes because I thought it was a a great statement about the power of encouragement. It says this, encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. When you encourage others, you boost their self-esteem, you enhance their self-confidence, you lift their spirits, and you make them successful in their endeavors. Encouragement makes everyone better. Isn't that true? And it's true about your life. When you have people around you who are encouraging, you you know what happens? It makes you better. All of a sudden, you're operating at a greater level of effectiveness. Why? Because encouragement makes everyone better. You're playing on a ball team. If you're in high school and you're playing on a ball team, if you have a coach that's affirming and encouraging, you know what? They're going to make you better. But encouragement lifts. It lifts us. It elevates us. And there's a scripture in, in Proverbs 18.21 that's, that's powerful. And, and I would like for us to to read this together, it's actually coming from the message paraphrase. And I like the way it's stated, the message paraphrase. It's on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read this with me? Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Let's read it one more time. You with me? Words kill. Words give life. 
They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So they're going to keep this up for just a moment. And what I would like to do is I'm going to keep my mouth shut just for a second. And I want you to meditate on this verse. I want you to think about the significance of this verse as it relates to your marriage. This verse as it relates to your children, your grandchildren, and your workplace. So just kind of read it over and over. Allow it to soak in. Let's break it down this morning. Let's take it phrase by phrase. First it says, words kill. And when I was a kid growing up, there was a a little saying that was popular in Arkansas. Maybe it was popular in North Carolina, but being that I didn't grow up in North Carolina, I'm not certain it was. Maybe you can help me this morning. But this was what we used to say as kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did did y'all say that here growing up? How many of you know that's a big fat lie? A big, fat lie. Because words, words can injure. Words can hurt. That's why the Scripture says words kill. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been the recipient of words that cut or words that injured or words that kill? Probably everyone in the room. So let's talk for, let's talk for a minute about that. So when someone spoke words to you about you um, that cut or that killed, what were the emotions that you were feeling as a result of the words that were spoken? Discouragement? Excuse me? Feeling less than, a great way to say feeling limited, Like someone just robbed you? Someone else? Anger, Anger? yeah. When someone speaks words that cut, words that injure, and when we have this emotion of anger that's stirring within us, someone else? Worthless. Worthless. There is a good word. When someone, not a good word for us, but is the reality, when someone speaks words that injure, words that kill, we have a loss of worth. She's... Cheryl said work lust, but I think we could say uh, we, have a lo- we have a drain of worth when someone speaks words that, that kill. Notice the scripture goes on to say words kill and words give life. How many of you have been the recipient of words that have brought life for you? I would assume everyone in the room. So let's talk about that for a moment. What emotions do you feel when someone speaks life-giving words to you or about you? Blessed. We feel blessed. Uplifted. I heard that. Happy. So there's joy that comes. Motivated. So it motivates us. Someone else. Hope, yeah, we, we feel hope. We feel full of hope or or hopeful when someone speaks words that gives life. 
empowering. I like that word. We feel empowered when someone speaks words that give life. So words kill, words give life. Notice the scripture goes on to say, your words are either poison. So think about poison. What does poison do? It kills. It makes people sick. It injures people. That's the reason if you have young kids, you put all of these locks on the cabinets to keep the kids away from the poison. Why? You don't want them drinking the poison. Why? Poison is bad, right? Your words are either poison or fruit. Fruit, for me, I think of fruit as life-giving. I think of fruit as being refreshing. And notice the last two words of this verse, because I think they're maybe the most important. You choose. And words kill. Words give life. At the end of the day, you get to choose. You're going to choose whether you're an encourager or a discourager. You get to choose whether you're giving life or not. So, so what's God's will? In the midst of all, all of this, what's God's will? As revealed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, notice what the Scripture says. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact, you are doing. So what's God's will? God's will is that I would be an encourager to you, that I would be building you up. And it's, listen, this is not just a, a scripture to me. This is a scripture for all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, the verse on the screen's for you. Go ahead and tell them. And then in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, the author of Hebrews wrote, but encourage one another, notice, daily. How often should we encourage one another? Daily. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So according to the author of Hebrews, encouragement should like actively flow from our lives. Like this is a daily process. And that consistently, continually, there's this thing called encouragement happening, flowing out of our lives to other lives. So, so what happens? I was reflecting on this just for a moment. I was thinking, what happens when we choose to be an encourager? I, I want you to catch this morning the power that you have within you. The power that you have within you every day, every minute of every day, you carry this power resonant within you. So what happens when you encourage others? I think first you build people up. And it's just like Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build up. In other words, when, when you speak words of encouragement, this is what you're doing, you're constructing. You're constructively building into people's lives. It's kind of like the neighborhood care center that we just completed. Over several months, we were building up, we were constructing, and now we have this life-giving facility in the same way, when you encourage others, what are you doing? You're constructively building into their lives. Here's the second thing that will happen when, when you encourage others. You're going to motivate people to their potential. Yeah, I happen to believe that within, within every individual, there's unbelievable, awesome potential because God created you that way. It's called latent potential. There's latent potential within us. And that potential needs to be tapped. That potential needs to be released. And so when we encourage others, what are we doing? We're motivating people to their potential. We're motivating them to what God has already placed in them. We're just trying to help them get it out, right? And that happens through encouragement. When you encourage others, here's another powerful thing that's going to happen. You're going to help them believe in themselves. And one of the things I've discovered is that there's a lot of people today who don't believe in themselves. 
They don't believe in who God created them to be. They don't believe in what God's placed in them. You know what they need? They need someone to come alongside them to help them believe in themselves. To help them believe that they can. See, the word encourage, it's actually made up of two different words, in and encourage. It means to speak courage into. So when you encourage others, you're helping them believe in themselves. You're you're positioning them to live out, again, what God's placed in their lives. You know, I've been blessed in my life to have a lot of encouragers. It's, It's one of the gifts that God's given me. A lot of folks in my life who've come along and poured into my life. But if I were to identify today um, kind of my top influencer, it was a man back in Bible college. His name's Don Fair. He was both academic dean, small school I went to, academic dean, and a professor. And because he taught English, um, I got to spend a lot of time with him. I actually got to take English twice while I was in college. I was so blessed. I was challenged. But I remember Don had such a, an impact on my life. He would call me into his office quite often um, just to chat. And he always had this large bowl of chocolates. On the, that's one of the things I remember on the corner of his desk. And I could have as many chocolates as I wanted. Not only did he call me into his office often to chat, but he would take me out for breakfast. I don't know why he would take some young kid out to breakfast. But he did. And in those early morning conversations, he would coach me and and counsel me. And probably most important is he helped me believe in myself. Because, see, I didn't believe in myself. I was not confident and I was not courageous. Remember, I was a little kid from Arkansas. And my plan was to go to Bible college for two years and then return to Arkansas because my dad was pastoring a little church of 50 people and I was going to go help my dad and that's what I was going to do with my life because I didn't believe for anything better or bigger because I couldn't. I didn't believe in myself. And one of the most important things that Don did for me through encouragement is he helped me believe in me. He helped me believe in what God had called me to do and to be. And I I happen to believe today that obviously a lot of influence, but one of the key influences for me doing what I'm doing today was Don Fair, who encouraged me in my life. Matter of fact, this has been a couple years ago, a few years ago, my friend was diagnosed with stage four cancer living in Washington, D.C. And when I got the news and it was... um, the news came late, and he only had a couple weeks left to live. I booked me a flight to Washington, D.C. I wanted to spend one last day with my friend. And called a plane, went up, got on a train from the plane to the train, which dropped me off right by his apartment. And literally, I went and sat at his feet for eight hours. And I wanted to express my gratitude because he helped me believe in myself. And it was, a huge, it was a huge turning point in my life. And that's the power. That's the power of encouragement. What we, get to in, we get to build others. We get to lift others. We can help individuals believe in themselves. Because here's the reality in life. Either you're going to be a lifter of others or a limiter of others. One or the other. 
You're going to be a lifter of others or a limit. You're going to, you're going to lift people to greater effectiveness or you're going to limit them from the effectiveness that God has for them in their lives. And again, it all comes back to the choices we make. I get to choose every day. Am I going to lift people or am I going to limit people? So this morning, as I kind of move toward wrapping this up, I, I want to leave you with, with four ways that you can be a better encourager. And I want to work from this word lift. Right? Using, the ac- using the word lift as an acronym. I, I want to leave you with four ways that I, I think you can be a better encourager. You can be a better lifter of others. Here's, here's the first thing. The letter L stands for look. Look beyond yourself and your needs. Rather than trying to make yourself look good, and rather than trying to elevate yourself, reverse the order and try to elevate others. So first, you want, you, want to, you want to look to others, not yourself. See, we all have this human tendency, and the human tendency is we want others to feel good about us. Right? Listen, everybody in the room today is insecure. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say you're insecure. Go ahead and tell them. We're all insecure to some degree. Some more than others. But this is what I know. The more I hang out with human beings like yourself, the more I've come to understand we're all insecure. And so when we engage in relationships, we're wanting others to feel good about ourselves. Therefore, we talk about ourselves. We tell stories about ourselves. Even at times, we exaggerate stories to make us look good because we want others to feel good about us. Don't look so holy and righteous. You know it's true. Everyone, listen, we all do it. It's this human tendency that we have to work on. And if we're going to lift others, then we have to take the focus off of ourselves and, and we, ha- we have to look to others. There's a, there's a statement by William King who said, a gossip is one who talks to you about other people. A bore is one who talks to you about himself. A brilliant conversationalist is one who talks with you about yourself. Isn't that true? Hey, brilliant. Why? Because we... we Man, we, we soak that up because it's, it's like life for us. So you want to look beyond yourself and your needs. You know, one of the little tools I use to try to do this, not that I always get it right, but a simple way to help you kind of shift from looking to yourself to others is what I call the 30-second rule. Practice the 30-second rule. How many of you have heard of the 30-second rule? Yeah, a couple of folks. So here's the 30-second rule. Within the first 30 seconds that you engage in a conversation with someone, make it your point, make it your focus to say something positive to them about them. In other words, it's forcing you to take the focus off yourself onto someone else. So you're addressing maybe their appearance, oh, you look great today. Maybe you're expressing your gratitude for something. Making, maybe you're making a statement about their life. But in the first 30 seconds of this interaction, I'm going to say something that adds value to someone else. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm kind of reversing the order. Rather than looking to me, now I'm looking to others. It just, it's 30-second rule. 30 seconds to pull this off. So, so let me see. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you this morning. Um, Bill, stand up. That's what you get for sitting on the front row. You get to be a part of the sermon today. Uh, so uh, let's say I'm, I'm, in, 
I'm out in the hallway, and I see Bill, and I come, hey, Bill, how you doing today? Man, man, great to see you. Hey, yesterday, was that not amazing, the walk for life? All those people, the worship, and you really helped make it happen here at Grace Covenant. Thank you last week for ordering. You know, I was away on vacation, so I couldn't take care of it. But all the tables you said, we had, we had like over 200 people from Grace Covenant at the walk, and you were a big part of that. So, man, thanks for your investment. It's really that it's really that simple. It's it's not complicated. And though this was kind of impromptu, Bill didn't know I was going to do this. This was kind of impromptu. None of that was fake. I didn't fake any of that. Reality is, last Sunday, Bill kind of manned the tables and kind of got everyone signed. I mean, he took care of all of the details so that we would have 200 plus people down at this walk in the city as we were praying about this issue of abortion in our city. He was key in that. So just in that quick interaction, what, in the first 30 seconds, I said something that was valuable to him. I took the focus off of me, and I'm thinking about Bill. How can I pour into Bill's life? So the L, the L in lift stands for, you know, I used to be able to run and jump up on this. <laughs> I've been here too long now. The I in the word lift stands for intentionally. Intentionally fill people's buckets. Intentionally fill people's bucket. You know, every one of us, every one of us have an invisible bucket. Now, obviously, it doesn't look like this bucket, right? Because your bucket's invisible and this bucket happens to be red and it's literal. But think with me for a moment. Just kind of get this picture in your mind. Every one of us has an invisible bucket. And when your bucket is full, how do you feel? Good? Energized? Full of life? Happy? Life is good? There's focus? There's energy? There's momentum? Why my bucket's full? But what happens... When your bucket is empty, life's not good, is it? There's a, there's a drain on the energy. There's a lack of focus. You don't feel empowered. You're not effective while well, your bucket's not full. So each of us have an invisible bucket. As well, each of us has an invisible dipper. Again, it doesn't look like this because this is like a real dipper. But each of us has an invisible dipper. And with your invisible dipper, you're either dipping out of people's bucket or you're pouring into their bucket. All the time. This happens all the time. And one of the reasons today marriages struggle is because we have too much bucket dipping going on in the marriage. Say amen or oh me, it's true. One of the reasons family structures are struggling is we got too much bucket dipping going on. Every one of us, every day, we have an invisible dipper. And either we're pouring into people's life or we're dipping out of their lives. So here's a question for you. How many of you know some bucket dippers? They're not sitting beside you, are they? (laughs) Hopefully not. So when you, let's say you're at the grocery store, you're at Harris Teeter. And across the way, you see a bucket dipper. Here's a question for you. 
What do you do? You duck down. You do everything you can to get away from that individual. Why? Because you know this. You know they're going to dip out of your bucket. But let's say you're in that same grocery store and you see someone that pours into your bucket all the time. What do you do? Man, it's a beeline right toward that individual. Why? Because you know that they're going to pour life into you. So the eye is this. Intentionally fill people's bucket. Because you do. You have an invisible dipper. And in your marriage relationship, in your family relationship, in your work relationships, in your community relationship, in your church relationship, listen, every day we make a choice. And the choice is this. Am I going to dip out of people's bucket? Or am I going to pour into their bucket? Obviously, we want to intentionally fill people's bucket. And listen, really simple. Bucket full, life's good. Bucket fulls in the marriage, like husband and wife, bucket full, marriage is good. So what? We want to intentionally, meaning we're looking for opportunity what, to, to fill people's bucket. And then the, the letter F and the word lift, because what we, we, what we want to do is we want to lift others, right? The letter F in the word lift stands for focus. We want to focus on and applaud the positive. I'm going to focus on and applaud the positive. Listen, in, in every individual, in every relationship, in every situation, there's almost always the positive and the negative. I mean, pick any, any person, any relationship, any situation, there's positive and negative. The question becomes, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to applaud? What's going to become, what's going to draw um, your attention? And what are you going to give attention to? So what do we want to do? We want to focus on the positive. We want to applaud the positive. Now, that doesn't mean we just ignore the negative. At some point, the negative has to be addressed. It's like when our children come home with a report card, Caleb and Grace, let's say they were to come home with a report card and they have three A's, a B, and an F. Now, I don't ignore the F because F doesn't stand for fantastic, right? It tells you we have a problem. I don't ignore the F, but the F is not the first thing I address. In our home, we have a reward system and that the kids get paid for A's and B's. And so first, they get money. First, we celebrate the A's. But eventually, we're going to talk about the F because the F tells me something's not happening well. So we need to talk about it. So I don't ignore the negative, but that's not my focus. My focus is first, what, to the positive. So we want to focus on the positive. We want to applaud the positive. And listen, when you do that, what are you going to do? You're going to lift others. They're going to be more effective. They're going to be more happy. And if you're in relationship with them, but they're more happy, guess what? It rubs off. You're more happy, right? So we want to focus on the positive. We want to, we want to applaud the positive. And then the T, the T in the word lift is, is treat people with respect. Treat people with respect. You know, when we respect others, this is what happens. When I give respect to someone, this is what I'm doing. I'm communicating honor and value. 
So like with Miss Jean, I, I love Miss Jean. She's an amazing woman. If you don't know Miss Jean, you, sh- you need to know Miss Jean. But when, when I treat her with respect, it communicates value, does it not? It communicates honor. So when, when we respect others, and again, I'm talking in all levels of relationship, in the marriage, with their children, in the work. When I treat people with respect, it doesn't mean I don't have difficult conversations. I mean, ask the folks who work for me. I don't mind having the difficult conversation. I'm not an easy person to work for. So I, I have the difficult conversation. But one of the things I'm always committed to is I'm going to treat every individual I work with with respect. Because as we give respect, what, then it's, it's honoring, it communicates value. You know, as I was raised growing up, my parents trained me and my, my brother and my sister. They trained us to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And if there was someone who was older, it was always Mr. and Mrs. It was, there was none of this, yeah, or even yes. It didn't work. It's either yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, yes, sir, or no, sir. But they, they, they taught us to respect others. Man, that has served me so well in life. Because as I'm giving respect, I'm lifting others. And when I was a teenager, one of the things that was popular, and I thought it was just when, I thought it was just like in my time of growing up, and I've come to discover it's not just in my time of growing up, but when we were teenagers, one of the things that we did, and we thought it was fun, is we would cut other people down. Like I would say something degrading to one of my friends, and it was not because I didn't like them, it's kind of this little game we played, then they would say something degrading to me that was even lower than what I said to them, and then I would have a comeback, we called this putting people down and we thought it was fun then and now as a parent when I hear my son and daughter kind of get into this putting each other down it's like stop this is so disrespectful it doesn't communicate value it doesn't lift it tears down so you want to lift people want to build them up then treat them with respect. Husbands, honor your wives and treat them with respect as the gift that God's given you. Wives, respect your husband. Parents to the children. Listen, parents, don't expect your children to respect you if you're not respecting them. Okay, it goes both ways. But we want we want to we want to create this atmosphere of respect in our home. Why? Because where there's respect, there's help, and we're building, we're we're lifting others around us. Listen, all people, all people feel better and do better when you give them the AAA treatment. Here's the AAA treatment: attention, affirmation, and appreciation. And you start giving people the AAA the AAA treatment. Man, and they're going to do better. They're going to be lifted in their lives. They're going to be more effective. Attention, affirmation, and appreciation. Now, several years ago, there was a psychologist that did a study on energy levels in children. And he used this uh, tool called an ergograph. And this is what he did. He got a, a group of children together who were, like, at the end of the day, they were tired, they, they were out of energy, um, and he began to praise, he began to speak words of affirmation, began to encourage these children. And what he noticed on this ergograph is that their energy level shot up. 
Even though they were tired, even though they were weary at the end of the day, energy level goes up when they were praised. He took another group of children using the same piece of technology, an ergograph, and criticized the children. And this is what he noticed. Their energy levels went down. Listen, what's true for children is true for us as adults. When we're encouraged, when we're esteemed, when we're praised, our energy levels go up. When we're ridiculed and attacked, our energy levels go down. I mean, that's the power of encouragement. Every day, every day, here's the reality. Either you're going to lift people or you're going to limit people. Every day, you're either going to dip out of people's bucket or you're going to pour into their bucket. Every day, you're either going to help people come to greater levels of effectiveness or you're going to rob them of the potential that God's placed in their lives. May we be bucket fillers. Amen? May we be those who add value. May we be those who choose encouragement. And I want to leave you with this verse. I want to take you back to what we started with. Proverbs 18.21 My prayer again is that this verse gets stuck in your brain and that you can't get it out. And here it is. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. It's a choice we're making every day. May we be those who give life to others. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, help us. Lord, what I know, every one of us in the room today, everyone hearing this message in this room today, and we can do better. Lord, we all have a bit of a tendency to be, big, to be bucket dippers instead of bucket fillers. Holy Spirit, my prayer today is that this verse in Proverbs 18.21 would seek deep into our minds and, Lord, into our hearts, into our spirit, and that it would, it would shape how we process life. Because, again, every minute of every day and in every interaction and in every relationship, God, this is what I know. God, either we can lift people or limit people. We can be a part of your work in their lives, or, God, we can keep them from your work. Wow, that is the power of encouragement. So Holy Spirit, help us at every point of engagement to be those who lift others to greater levels of effectiveness. And Lord, I pray today in marriages where there have been too much bucket dipping going on. And Lord, there's some couples here this morning. Lord, their marriages are struggling. They're in, they're in a hard place God, because there's been too much bucket dipping going on. Lord, May this message today be a sounding call that would bring transformation. Lord, there's some homes here where, where, Lord, it's dysfunctional. It's not healthy. Because, Lord, between parents and children and children and parents, there's too much bucket dipping going on. Again, may this message today be a a wake-up call, a, a, a point of transformation. That individuals would be committed to filling the buckets of others, lifting their mate, their children, their peers to greater levels of effectiveness. And Lord, I just pray that for all of us this morning, Lord, that this is not just a message we would hear and, 
and walk away from. But Lord, may this be a simple word that changes how we process life. May we not just hear the word, but Lord, help us by your spirit to be doers of your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.